welcome back to Talking Ball, brought to you by HP Polly. I'm Nicola Hume, where on this podcast, we talk all things Oracle Red Bull Racing here from the factory in Milton Keynes. We are joined by two very special guests today. We have a pit stop special. I had to just make sure that I got that right, because that's really hard to say. Pit stop special. There we go. Nailed it. So our first guest is sporting director, Jonathan Wheatley. Hi, Lovely. And we're also joined by senior engineer, it's Rich Wolverson. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you both? Uh, reasonably relaxed, considering the time of year. But yeah? Yeah. Well, first things first, I think we should uh, formally let everybody know what you both do here at Red Bull. So I'll start with you, Jonathan. So where would we normally see you? I mean, I normally see you sat on the pit wall when I'm watching a race. So what what is your sort of day-to-day -day here at Red Bull? So I guess uh, overarching my job is to make sure that all the people, all the equipment are hired uh, recruited well, put in the right roles, all arrives at the track at the right time. We yeah. do a great job when we're at the track. Um, I'm also in charge of our uh, FIA relationship with, on the sporting side. Um, keeps me busy yeah. over the course of a race weekend. Um, and yeah, I try, try to manage the day-to-day -day operation of the race team. And of course, one of the major roles in that is our team pit stop performance. And Rich? Uh, so I'm an engineer. Mm -hmm. uh, I look after the spec of the car, the build of the car, yeah. work with the mechanics, the design, all the departments back here to what car we want to effectively run at the track for certain events. So Vegas would be a different car to last week, for example. And then another part of my role is pit stops. So yes, uh, yes I, I'm the car control, as we call it. Nowadays, we don't have a lollipop, we've got traffic light systems, so... Oh, so you're not, it's not a stop-go no, no, guy? No, I've, uh, I've got a little accessory I brought with me, actually, my We'll tool. talk about that later, we'll talk about that later. So, but yes, no, it's, it's all, it's modernised now, so we use a traffic light system, so I'm in charge of car control, which is basically making sure the wheels are effectively on safety, okay. safely, yeah. and the car leaves the pit lane safely, so it doesn't crash into anyone coming up, the traffic, etc. So, yes, it's quite a... Overwhelming role at certain times, depending on the race. Yeah, like, it's quite a high pressure job. <laughs> well, really. yeah, I mean, sometimes it's clinical, everything yeah. goes well, and then other times there's traffic, there's rain, there's safety cars, there's all sorts of chaos thrown at you, which always tends to happen, really, isn't it? It's never, <laughs> no weekend's ever straightforward. Yeah, I'm sure there's like certain scenarios where you, you just can't prepare for, like the weather in Brazil, for example. You couldn't prepare for what that was going to be like to then prepare what your pit stops are going to be like. No, exactly. Well, the timing of that was actually perfect in Brazil, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we actually yeah. got the, the cars Dodge, came back. the bullet there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whereas Zamvolt, for example, Zamvolt was probably the worst for a long time, anyway. Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah Why? The, what, what specifically happened in Zamvolt? Well, there was a monsoon, effectively. Yeah. And um, the pit lane is that small. We were there. on dry time. Yeah, <laughs> the pit lane is that small there. There's no room to pit stuff anyway. Yeah. But then when it's raining, everyone piles in at the same time and it um, gets a bit busy, shall we say. Yeah. yeah. And Rich has been really modest. He's made some brilliant calls in terms of releasing the car into the fast lane this year because it's a very, very tight area to work in. It's like the, I guess it's like the an aircraft carrier flight deck. You yeah. Know? Everyone has to know what everyone's doing all the time. Well, it makes Monaco easy now, basically. Monaco <laughs> used to be the worst, and now this one. <laughs> because essentially, you're you're in control of when the car leaves. Yes. So it's like milliseconds. Uh, literally, we're yeah, well, it, it is. It's it's strange because you're that used to what happens. It's, yeah. it's Sort of like in slow motion, and then I watch the track maps, etc., to see what traffic's coming behind. So you sort of got an idea of what's happened. Yeah. But then it's when something unexpected happens during the pit stop because it's never like clockwork shall we say <laughs> uh and then something just happens and you know it's yeah 
no, like I if mean, there's a slow corner and then there's a car coming, you're like, oh, I try to judge what's going on. It's yeah. Essentially, it's like, so you have two jobs, don't you, really? So, so how did you end up working in pit stops? Because So what I've heard, Jonathan, <laughs> right, is that there is someone that works in IT that also is part of the pit crew. So to me, I'm like, well, how does that work? Does, is there here at the factory, do you have like an audition process for people to come and work in the pit well, stop uh, team? Kind of. Um, firstly, yeah, I think maybe it's not well known, but uh, the pit crew is represented by all sorts of different departments. Yeah. You know, not marketing yet, but who knows, maybe <laughs> maybe one day. We've got some of the team here and yeah, they're exactly. all ready to maybe audition. Maybe one day we'll get somebody <laughs> from marketing in there. Um, but there's 22 people in a pit stop, including a driver. And you need reserves. Um, actually, this year has been pretty tough on us in terms of illnesses and um, you know weddings, funerals, people missing missing events. Um, so you need to have quite a few people in reserve as well, able mm. to do it. And um, you know I work with a great team of people here that I've been uh, working with for a long time who help identify that talent and uh, help introduce them into the pit crew. So how do you identify the talent in the first place? So does somebody go, oh, I'm pretty fast with my hands. Can I come and show you what I can do? And well, we'll just come and well, a fun, a like an audition. I guess the fundamental is they have to travel. So they have to yeah. actually be at the track. Yeah. Otherwise, it's quite difficult to do a pit stop <laughs> from the factory. No. So we tend to look at people within our travelling crew. Yeah. Um, we look at their body shape, their physique, how they move. We've got a clinical management team here that helps identify people that might be good for certain roles. Right. Then um, there's a sort of a, a sort of day-to-day -day coaching crew that works with the, the pit crew. Um, Phil Turner is one of those. Works with Richard, um, some other, um, some of the other guys. We just try to identify a role where somebody's really comfortable. And even when you get all through that, you've then got to put them under some kind of pressure so you get some idea of how they can handle pressure. And sometimes it's just me stood behind them oh, yeah. in a pit stop, <laughs> you know, when <laughs> they're practicing in the factory. <laughs> I always figure if they can't do it with just me stood there, then they're not going to be able to do it with about a billion people watching them on TV. Okay. Well, now I have to ask you. What's more nerve-wracking, actually doing it, actually doing your job at a race, or doing your job in a practice with Jonathan overlooking? I know practice for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more watching what the mechanics are doing during this practice, shall we say? Okay, fair I, I, yeah, I can't practice man in that sort of right. <laughs> so how how did you end up doing what you do at the pit stops? Um, I kind of inherited it with the role, to be honest. When I first got the job, the guy who did my previous job did that, and then kind of stepped ah. into that, and then took up the engineering side of the pit stop itself as well like we've evolved the equipment and the processes so much over the years so you I joined... run the data systems for that at the track so right. there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot more in the background that you, do, you don't really see yeah but is inherent to the pit stop working effectively isn't it I mean yeah. Yeah. we say there's 22 people as Jonathan said the driver's most important well as important as everyone else because if he gets it wrong we get it wrong so yeah everyone's got to do their own little bit and there's only so many of us at the track anyway which is why People in IT, everyone sort of has to get involved because that's all we've got, isn't it, effectively? Yeah. So did you join, you joined originally as an engineer to start working yeah, on so the Yeah, so well, I originally worked in the design office. Yeah. And then a racing job became available and then I got that. Nice. Nice. Are you enjoying it? I'd, well, well, you love it. <laughs> I mean, you've got to love it, really. I mean, I've been travelling 12 years now, so you've, you've got to love it to do it because yeah. it is your life, really. Well, it is, isn't it? It's like, yeah, 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 it is. It's yeah. like... You Even when you're back, it still is, yeah. Living and breathing it. Effectively. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jonathan, you, st I mean, you started as a mechanic, didn't you? And then mm. you ended up 
joining Red Bull in 2006. Yeah. So how was your journey from when you started at Red Bull in 2006 been to now? Because it's a completely different world now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and it's a lot easier to grow with a team as a team grows, I think, than it would be to just walk into it now and yeah. try to do my role. I mean, I've, yeah, I've been here since 2006. I was 16 years in Formula One before that. You know, pretty good idea how teams ran. Um, Christian offered me an opportunity to come and work here. I mean, um, the team that I worked for previously, looked like they were going to win the world championship the year I joined here. So the easiest thing would have been to stay there and win a, another world championship. But the idea that I could come here and build a race team how I wanted it to be and a team that I wanted to work in. And Christian's honestly left me to just do that over the last, however long it is, 17, 18 years. It's amazing. Yeah. Do you have any particular, uh, like, proud moments over the last few years? Yeah, I think, you know, um, I'm tremendously highly motivated still, which is maybe surprising considering how long I've done it. Working with teams, for me, is best job in the world, and it honestly doesn't feel like a job. There's, there's numerous times that I feel proud of the team over the course of the year, especially when you put, maybe when you put a pit crew together with a lot of reserves in it at the last minute, and uh, they're a bit shaky in practice and what yeah. have you, and they deliver in the race. Makes me tremendously proud, you know, and be, to, to play a small part in, in what happens there. I mean, as, as Formula One is moving on, everything's all becoming very high tech. So how will technology make an impact on, on future pit stops, on, on the future of, of F1? That, that's, a really, that's a really good question because um, a, a few years ago, the FIA uh, clamped down on uh, what you could and couldn't do or defined, let's say, what you could and couldn't do in a pit stop. And I was adamant from the very beginning that it needs to be a human endeavour. Yeah. It is a team contribution towards the result at the weekend and it's absolutely vital it stays like that. So I hope it doesn't get any more complicated technically than it is now. I hope that nobody's given any more assistance to do their job than they are already because ultimately it's got to be about 22 people all having a good 1.8 seconds. 1.8 seconds. We kind of we're, we are going to talk about that a little bit later on because I you have, have, to, I have to bring that. Up. <laughs> Don't recall. We'll what talk you're about it later. About. We'll talk about it later. Meanwhile, I do have to ask: when it comes to an actual race, and uh, say I'm sat down watching a race, and I just hear I don't know GP on the radio say to Max, "Box, box, box." How much notice does the pit crew get when it comes to a pit stop? Like, do you have to be ready instantly or do you kind of get a couple of laps notice? OK, they're going to come in in a little bit. Jonathan tends to give us a heads up just so everyone's right, okay. prepared. If I know about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. It's very fluid, shall we say. <laughs> but it depends on the scenario. Sometimes you can sense yeah. or if there's a crash and you know there's going to be a red flag, everyone's... Yeah. yeah you kind of get the feeling from the race, but yeah. You're also trying to be subtle about it as well, so the other teams don't realise. So, but you've got but you've got to put your helmets on and everything, haven't well, you? We so you kind of just, on. just oh, hold it down, you know, swing it about, <laughs> and then just casually go, 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 go. I mean, I mean, you know, they're pretty well drilled team they're supposed to keep their crash helmets on through the and, and odd, make the odd funny movement every now and then so people might think we're doing something but ultimately people <laughs> sit there without their crash helmets on and what have you so we i try to stay ahead of what's happening on strategy mm. i try to 
get a heads up for what might be happening. I try in um, various ways to alert the crew that something might be happening in the next few laps, so they're going to a slightly higher state of alert. Um, and, you know, as a pit wall, we've been working together for a long time. Adrian, Christian, myself, Will Courtney, we've been on that pit wall since 2006, you know, yeah. some of them before, before me. Um, so we kind of know what each other are thinking, what yeah. they're doing. And um, there were, there's the odd unpleasant surprise when we decide all of a sudden we're going to pit stop. But or the, the driver does. Sometimes the driver just comes in himself, the, doesn't or it? Or the yeah. driver does. Has that happened? Yeah, this yeah, year. Yeah, Checker Checo yeah. in Zanvoort, yeah. <laughs> Max in Austin. That's Max right. in Austin, yeah. Sometimes they box themselves. I wanted to ask, actually, because you are sat on the pit wall, how close in communication are you with, with, uh, with Will Courtney or Hannah Schmitz or whoever's on strategy? Like, do they sort of communicate with you uh, when they want to plan to do a pit or...? Is it vice versa? Yeah, I think, you know, we have protocols and procedures um, and as with all such things, sometimes under the uh, white heat of competition, um, some of those slip. What's good is we know each other pretty well now. We've had all the conversations after making mistakes or making our lives difficult. We've been through all of that and I get a pretty good feel now. It's rare that um, a pit stop comes as a complete surprise. Mm. Uh it can still happen sometimes, um, but for the most part, I think we, considering it's, you know, the amount of racing we do and the amount of pit stops we do and the amount of strategy talk there is, I think picking our way through it, I have to say that sometimes as well, Christian might identify that there's a conversation going on that I'm not aware of that might be <laughs> leading to a pit stop. And yeah. I think we all just try to help each other out. Nice. And how, how close are you with Christian? Because obviously you've known each other for... A really long time. Yeah, we've known each other really well. It's a great working relationship. Christian allows me to to do my job. Mm. Um, he asks pertinent questions every now and then, which is how it should be. Um, and I enjoy working with him because I think when you're given the right amount of freedom to do your job, it's it's tremendously rewarding. Yeah, because and Christian understands that. It seems since since I've been doing this podcast this year, the the team that I meet and everybody that I meet like here at the factory, everybody's so close and everyone all gets along really well. And I think that's a really important part. I mean, especially when it comes to the pit crew, you all kind of have to be on the same page as each other, right? Rich? Yeah, it's 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 like a big family in a way. Yeah. The, the race team itself. I mean, a dysfunctional. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Of course, it's a normal family. It's <laughs> like school. Just really good, yeah. <laughs> but no, everyone's everyone's got the same goal ultimately. Everyone's driven here to win. Want to be the fastest car, fastest pit stop, fastest. Area. It's like it's in our. DNA, isn't it? It's, it's part of the ethos of the team. It's, yeah. It's, it's what Red Bull is, effectively. Uh, for me, anyway, that's what we are. Well, because, I mean, Red Bull are renowned for the pit stops now. It's, it's, it's a thing. You think of pit stops, you think of the Red Bull racing team, and you think of that pit crew just absolutely smashing it every single time. And when it comes to, to morale in the team and working together, talking milliseconds, what happens if there is just that one person that's a little bit out? Do you then instantly have to replace that person or do you then audition someone else to play that role instead? Or because you're saying there's been illnesses along the way and you're having someone to step in as a reserve, everyone has to be on it. All 22 people have to be on it. What, what has been fascinating for me over the years is how people respond to issues they're having in their private life, maybe at work, the way they present themselves at work, small minor injuries, yet having this drive and dedication to still perform at the highest possible level. So I've said it before, 
it's not about the fastest pit stop. It's about the fastest minimum average that we can do all year long. And it's that monotonous two-second pit stop that we're after. You know, if I, if, if I could be absolutely certain that every pit stop for the year would be two seconds, 2.1 seconds, I'd be a happy man for the rest of my life, Brilliant. you know. And winning these trophies has been about an incredibly dedicated crew of people, sacrifice an awful lot, travel away from home an awful lot, putting an incredible amount of effort in. And it's tremendously, um, well, it makes me tremendously proud to see what they've achieved. Are there certain... Uh people that end up in certain positions on the car. I've been, I was trying to explain this uh, <laughs> to, to Ellis, who helps put this podcast together, to kind of, because I, I try to visualise a pit stop. And if I was doing a pit stop or changing a tyre, I would naturally want to turn left to put the tyre on to then do it with my right hand because I'm right-handed. So then do you specifically then choose somebody who's left-handed to go on the other side of the car? So then you go looking for left-handed people i wouldn't say it's handed people but people do have a preference yeah if, if they can put it on the right or the left there's, yeah. there's definitely that that is a factor yeah and you get a few that can do everything yes you can do so oh, many jobs course. in the pits <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we like them yeah. of course there's multi-talented people but, but you do tend to put the bigger stronger guys on the bigger bigger wheels mm. you know and uh, to do a front flap adjust you don't need a big strong guy to do the front flap adjust in fact you need somebody small able to move really quickly and get out of the way of the car when it leaves the pit box so there's some pretty obvious uh, roles that you would try people out for in the first instance did some of the roles change when the tire size changed because the tires got bigger didn't they uh, yeah, they got ago. bigger and heavier and we went to the 18-inch tyres. But what amazed me was the crew just went and rebuilt themselves. They worked harder on their core strength over the winter. They came back and and I think as you've seen this year, the, um, the pit stop times, the ultimate fastest pit stop times that we thought we maybe wouldn't see again after the 13-inch wheels have... Um, yeah, we're seeing them again now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when it comes to their training, you're saying core training. So do they... Because there is a gym here. At, at Red Bull HQ, yeah, which is three. a very nice gym. <laughs> <laughs> there are three, and the race team have their own specific one, ah. um, which isn't because they're special. It's because uh, we've got um, machines with longer cables in, so you can simulate more and more um, of the type of movements that they have to do in the field. We've got some specialised equipment in there to help them uh, with understanding and moving wheels around. And what we talk about in terms of um, core stability is that's really future-proofing yourself and season-proofing yourself because we want exactly the same pit crew at race one, uh, race 24. Yeah, yeah. And if, you could ha if somebody's watching this or listening to this right now and they think, I would love to be part... Of, of the Red Bull pit crew, what advice would you give them? Because it seems you can't go and study being in a pit crew. So what advice would you give to somebody that's desperate to join a pit crew in Formula One? Well, you know, I'm assuming somebody's not as at school in this scenario yeah. and they're looking at it on TV and yeah. they want to do it. I mean, we always encourage people to initially try to get some sort of weekend work, uh, gophering, they call it, uh, for a racing team somewhere in a good you know, quality single-seater series maybe in the in the UK. They get to understand that 9 o'clock in the morning is 9 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and if you're down at 9.01, the van's left. Okay. You have to make your own way to the track and, yeah. and basically start working your way through then. Then um, start engaging with Formula One teams, you know. Um, you know, you only get out of life what you put into it. You have to put a huge amount of effort to get into Formula One. You imagine how many CVs we get. Yeah. And you have to use every tool at your disposal to do that. But generally, our best pit crew come from that route. 
Okay, so here on uh, Talking Ball, we have a thing called 100 items. So every guest that comes in brings an item in with them, and we have a nice little chat, and then it ends up in our beautiful Hall of Fame. Now, I have noticed there's a really cool-looking trophy on this table. Can you talk me through this trophy, Jonathan? Yeah, uh, um, DHL um, run a championship within a championship in Formula One, the Pit Stop Challenge. I'm sure people have seen on Instagram that after every single race, there's a... Uh, timetable issued, there's points scored for those in the top 10 and I'm pr very proud to say that Red Bull have been at the top of that for five years. We're currently leading the Pit Stop Championship again this year which mm -hmm. shows that whatever we're doing we're doing well and then we've got a mo well motivated crew and each year there's this individual trophy that, that DHL come up with and I absolutely love them. They're all <laughs> completely unique and this one here has a wheel nut in the top of it. Yeah. And of course it's absolute, everyone understands that's the definition of time. And the that is a proper working time. hourglass. I and it's a proper it. working hourglass, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And every trophy is unique, completely different. No, no theme running through them at all other than the fact that they're there to um, as, a, as a trophy for the DHL Championship. So was this, is this a 2022 I think trophy? that's a 2022. Two, yeah. You? So we've I only mean, got one hand on the other one at the moment. Not well, both. that's the thing. I I have to bring up McLaren now. Who? <laughs> <laughs> As we're recording this, there are still two races to go. By the time this episode comes out, you may have absolutely smashed that record, but they beat your record by 0.02 of a second, milli milliseconds, like not even a snap of your fingers. So, what are you doing right now to? prepare to beat that in either Vegas or Abu Dhabi. No pressure. I wouldn't say we were preparing to beat that, really. We're just... Oh, you've got to be! We obviously, as Jonathan said, want consistent, reliable pit stops. Not world record. If we go out and try and get a world record every time, there'll be an issue. We don't want an issue to affect the race. Whereas if a 1.8 did come along, it'd be all right. Because it, ultimately, it's it will happen at some point. It's about 22 people being perfect. And yeah. it's difficult for that to happen. But we've got it in us. We have got it in us. Yeah. And, and also there's, you know, there's um, <laughs> the way the season flows through. We've had a lot of injuries. We've had a lot of, like I say, uh, replacements in the pit crew. They've done an amazing job. Mm. The, what we call the reserves um, have done an incredible job of turning up on race day. I mean, don't forget, very likely your very first live pit stop in Formula One is for a race win at Red Bull. This isn't like you're, you're not in 10th, 15th place. Yeah. This is going to be for a race win, the very first time you've done it. Mm. And I think what we do well and what the team does well amongst itself is put their arms around people, make them feel comfortable. So we've got a tremendously great average pit stop rate for the last few years. We know we're capable of greatness, but there's also a time and a place for that. And what we saw with the McLaren stop, and I'm totally happy talking about it after <laughs> a couple of weeks of therapy, um, is an incredibly well-executed pit stop yeah. by every single person, all 22 of them, including, including the driver. And hats off to them. Mm. They did an amazing job. But um, our goal is to keep winning this trophy and keep doing the lowest average times of everyone. And at some point, it'll all click together. And, yeah, I'd be lying if I said it's not a target to beat it. Mm. And when, if you do... Well, I'm going to say when. when. When you do <laughs> win the trophy again... This year, oh. what, what's the celebration? You were going out for pizza. What's the plan? 
Is it expensive in Abu Dhabi? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's cheaper than Vegas. Water for everyone. <laughs> no, but, you know, we still have to deliver it. Um, the crew gets a massive amount of satisfaction there, and I think the whole team gets it. I mean, it's extraordinary when we won it uh, the last few years, when you come back to the factory, the amount of people that come up and say thank you. And I think, you know, what well, the sprint race has been an interesting um, phenomenon this year because you don't do pit stops in sprint races. Mm. And you kind of get off the pit wall and you've, you go and see the crew after the race and there's that lack of absolute involvement and engagement in the race result. And what you get in a race with a pit stop is you get that involvement. You yeah. feel a complete connection with the result that you've achieved. Yeah. And I think that's the, the incredible thing. And Rich, you have uh, you've brought your item with you, which to me, I don't know, looks like, I mean, it looks like a traffic light. I'm going to go for traffic light. It is a traffic light. I call it my... Light board, shall we say. So this is what I hold during the uh, pit stops, so to speak. And um, Oh, yeah, so what's on the back numerous there? numerous so buttons. Right. Uh, there's numerous buttons on there which control the lights on there and what the driver sees, etc. So that is ultimately what I release the car with, so or hold the car with. driver say. comes in, mm -hmm. and you, is it working now? There'll be a red now? light there. Oh, so is it not working now? Does it no, have to no, be plugged in? plugging in. Oh, right, yeah. okay. So red light will be on. And then as soon as you've checked, do you have to visually check everything? Or is there like a... Uh, effectively, Something yeah. that there tells is, you... There that... are control systems in there that tell me what's going on, so it's not... But as... it's still down to, to your fingers. To release the car, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So the timing of the pit stop comes down to your thumbs. Or the traffic. Well, mm, sort of. I'm just going <laughs> to... let go, yeah. I'm going to throw Or it run me over, one of the two, actually. <laughs> because really, um, in terms of... Physical, Mine is the last physicalness, part of the puzzle show. Yeah, physicalness yeah. and technicalness. What's wh Which is the hardest role to play when it comes to a pit stop? Or does does everyone have... Because physically you've got the, the guys changing the tyres, but then also mentally you have to be on it. You have to be on it. Because if you miss it by half a second or something like that... He crashes. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, no, but it is, it's, a min, it's a mental and physical challenge. Yeah. It really is. And over the course of the season, you know, you've got human beings making decisions. Richard, once again, really modest. I think it was his idea to come up with this because we were worried that the halo, that if the driver stopped out of position, which happens often, then maybe they wouldn't be able to see the light through the halo. Mm. So the idea, I think it was your idea, to have a light panel that you could hold where the exactly. driver well, can I, see. I stand in front of the car, well, to the midway to in front of the car with this and um, only actually get out of the way when I'm happy for him to move, which is so far not chopped my legs off, but um, Checo gets a bit excited every now and then. <laughs> but, <laughs> but not every F1 team has one of these. No, this we're is... the only ones who use it, actually. Oh, very yeah, nice. Um, I like it. I mean, obviously it does the trick. <laughs> Clearly it does the trick. And it, you, it must be a very proud moment to be able to, to create something like that that obviously works and is getting you trophies like this. Yeah, the, the problem is if you don't stand in front of them with something they kind of as soon as they drop they want to go yeah but sometimes they can't go but like what happens if the the driver slightly overdoes it on one side or the other or slightly overdoes it does that affect everything because you're yeah, all yeah. sat there prepped ready to put some tires on yeah well everyone's out of position then aren't yeah they? they've either got a stretch or it's too close to them and that's when you get yeah. a slower stop yeah um, so if, so if the, the driver position is very important actually Oh, well, there we go. We're going to add those two items into our into our. Hall I of might fame. need that back for next week. <laughs> yeah, hold on to it. Hold <laughs> on to it. And I also have to talk about the blind pit stop challenge. Mm. So, which will <laughs> now, uh, as we speak, is available to to watch on YouTube. 
so we can have a little look at it. But talk me through the blind pit stop challenge and what happened there. <laughs> I'll let you well, talk. Uh, <laughs> I'll let you talk. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, we thought it would be a good idea to do that before a triple header, was it? Yeah, yeah before, before a triple, a triple header. header. Yeah, good idea, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. On paper, it sounded OK. Yeah. <laughs> Could you have been involved? No, you couldn't have been involved in that with the... To be able to see that all the tyres were on and off because you can't, because yours is a visual job. I can hear it. No way. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you, you can. You just get used to it. Really? Yeah. So you just, the moment you hear, whoop, whoop, done. Yeah, you can, if, you can t if it's all in sync that's or something. That's quite a good impression. Right? Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. And, and honestly, that's what I heard on the pit bull with the McLaren stop in Qatar. Wow. I thought, oh, that was all right. Hmm. You just knew. Hope he stalls. You felt it. <laughs> 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 Look, <laughs> Vegas and Abu Dhabi, who knows what could happen? Who knows? You may end up in the one sevens. <gasps> because, right, I'm just going to... I heard that, that it is possible that it happened in practice once you got into one sevens. In a oh, practice no, session. But obviously it doesn't count because it's not in a race situation. No, it's quicker than that in uh, pit stops. We get, what's our corner times? I mean, we can get 1.6s on individual corner times. Okay. We had them in the race last weekend, actually. We had a couple of 1.6s on the okay. front right, for example, front left during the race. It's just, as I said, it's getting everything together. Okay. I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm hopeful that... Yeah, no, from the front axle, you get 1.45s, 1.48s. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, but, I mean, it's, like I say, when you see, when you... It, you know, I think I look at a pit stop and I see a thing of beauty when it's... When yeah. it's when it goes as it should do. And um, it is, like I say, it's that human contribution to motor racing, which I think is extraordinary. It's just, uh, as an F1 fan, someone that's been been watching for so many years and you see the old pit stops that, that used to take several seconds and now you just watch it in, out done. It's just, it's still mind blowing to me how quick you are. It's when, incredible. When was your first pit stop, Rich? Oh, 2013 with Serbia. Yeah. yeah, so we were already... We were. Quick, Early yeah. development with that, weren't we? Yeah, my first pit stop, the chief mechanic grabbed my arm and said, you should be able to do rear jack. That was in 1991. <laughs> <laughs> a car came in on, I think, the second lap. It was full of fuel and my feet didn't touch the ground. I was just hanging off the jack because yeah. it wasn't heavy enough. <laughs> I, I do remember my heart rate for that first race stop, my first yeah, ever race. it's quite yeah. something, isn't it? Yeah, I bet. Yeah. And you can't, can't afford to have shaky hands in that situation, can you? No, but, it, yeah, it, it, it was incredible, just the adrenaline and the, the way yeah. it built up to it. Yeah. Now you're kind of just used to it. It's normal. You say normal. So it's normal, but yeah, you know, someone will come along like someone, if you've got someone that's ill, someone comes in and it is their first race and you see yourself in them going in it for the first time. That oh, must yeah, be, for sure. Yeah. But yeah. they've built up a long way before they get to that. Even the weekend just builds up to the races and the way they practice, etc. So And we're good with our coaching and talking people through it, setting expectations that are reasonable, you know, for what you can do. And I think we do our very best to get people to settle into the crew as quickly as possible because, mm. yeah, you can feel this enormous, you know, weight of responsibility on you. And, of course, things go wrong. Yeah. And they go wrong more often than you think. Are there any particular scenarios that come to mind of where things 
have gone wrong? Yeah, I think with, I think with us, um, we had a we had a um, an incident where we lost the lost a wheel in the pit lane, um, Mark Webber's car, and it hit a cameraman. And you know, when you when you can sit here on days like this and looking at trophies and go, you know, fantastic side of pit stops. And there's the downside like that. If you have any kind of empathy at all, you've hurt somebody. As far as you're concerned, yeah. you've hurt somebody. You know, and we carried out a root and branch review of our pit stop in in order to make it as safe as humanly possible, you know? And, and that was a massive priority and, and, and had full commitment from Christian and the technical team here at the factory. And uh, a group of very, very bright people came up with this intelligent wheel gun system that we have now. And, you know, it can't fix every problem, but all of the problems we learned about and everything that we thought might go wrong with a pit stop in future, we tried to put some kind of a fix in it for mm. that. And um, as well as changing some other fundamental parts of the components involved in the pit stop, um, I think we've got to a, a point where I'm not holding my breath through a pit stop every weekend anymore. Yeah. I have to ask, actually, before we move on to fan questions, because you, you are the go-to guy when it comes to communicating with the FIA and, and Red Bull. You seem to, like, know rules that people don't know exist. Like, to, have you read the rule book inside out and you've got it, like, printed yeah, on the back of your Yeah, it's kind of like my job. Yeah, but it's like, you seem to come out with things that, that none... No one seems to know even existed in the first place. It's just knowing the rule book inside out, living and breathing it. I think I think you just hit the nail on the head. You know, so I've been doing it for a long time. Um, the way I do my job is insane in a lot of ways because I think through every single scenario that I think could happen and mm. I look at the rules and I look at how the team might react and I try to come up with an idea so I look like I'm completely in control in the time but <laughs> yeah. I've put hours of thought into it and if I've done my job well I think I'm very well prepared going into that event and yeah, sometimes there's a few hidden gems in there which yeah. people have forgotten about. But um, there's that's what I, that's what I think is is, I think is where you shine. I th well, I think you know, <laughs> like I say, I thought them through, and I've been lucky sometimes that confidence has carried me through where <laughs> yeah. where, where where maybe the rules were a little bit vague. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, right. So we've got lots and lots of questions that have come in uh, from fans. So our first couple are coming in from video. So, uh, over to question number one. Hi, I'm Claire from the UK, and my question is, do you find yourself practising pit stop alternatives at home? For example, making a cup of tea. Do you know what? <laughs> do you know what? Every single thing I try to do, I try to take the minimum amount of time out of. I think there's something to do with being really hugely competitive. So, whether it's the drive on the way home, within speed limits, of trying course. to find the best route back, or whatever I do, I try to do... Uh, uh, try to do it the best way possible and, and the most efficient way possible. Really? Yeah. How fast are your showers? Uh, <laughs> the bare minimum time, because then you can lie in bed for a little bit longer. And in this job, sleep is really important. <laughs> are you the same, Rich? Uh, with sleep, yes. <laughs> <laughs> question number two. Hello, everyone. I am Sergio from Mexico. Uh, my question is, is being part of the pit stop crew a full-time job or you have another task inside the team? Everyone on the pit crew has their core role and then the pit stop role as well. It's like you've got not, not a part-time job, it's like another full-time job in effect, isn't it? So you've always got something going on, like a mechanic might be fixing his car and then he's got to come in to do a pit stop on another car at the same time. It's always multitasking, shall we say. Yeah, yeah. so there isn't someone that's just pit crew only. 
No, no, no. Yeah. Every, everyone has to perform another role. We're limited on the amount of people that we can have at the track that are operational. Mm. And within that, there's a whole group of people, the engineers and what have you, that can't get involved in pit stops because they have other jobs in running the car. So you're down to a smaller pool of people. So everyone has to be a, a jack of all trades. So this is why it might be handy to train up some of the marketing team because they're there getting know. stuff for social media, the I admins. Yeah, you might as well get those involved and get them trained up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is from uh, Ryan in the Philippines. So these have come from fans uh, in the paddock who says, uh, do you do pit stop practice in Milton Keynes as well? So yeah. you pit stop practice here? Yes, we do. Um, we've, got a, uh, we've got a pit stop car here and a complete gantry setup. So if you looked at it in, um, in the uh, Louder building, you would see that uh, we simulate pit stops as well as we can. And we try to get the right balance of training people and not training them so hard that they injure people. So, yeah, there's several factory-based pit stops carried out during the year. Uh, this is from Damien in Poland who said, which tyre is easier to replace, rear or front? If I was doing it, yeah. I'd want to do the front. Why is that? Because it's lighter and smaller. Oh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> OK, that's fair. OK, this is from Peter in the UK who says, ah, so we've already covered this. If somebody is ill, do you have substitute pit crew? What happens if, like, everyone's ill? Like, what happens well, in that scenario? <laughs> we nearly had that in Mexico, didn't we? Yeah, we did, yeah. But I don't think we put a... F we didn't put a full crew together until Sunday morning yeah. because there were so many people. We had a, we had a huge amount of uh, stomach illnesses in in Mexico, yeah. And then the crew managed to put yeah. it together on a Sunday. I think we had three different people in the crew doing different jobs. Yeah. And it's difficult because you have a reserve for one role, but it might be the other guy who's injured and you've got... yeah. No reserve because he's injured. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to throw this out there. Possible reserve? Are you prepared um, no. to step in? <laughs> my, my, my days, do, you know, I prefer to manage the job and point nowadays rather than pick up a wheel gun. Uh, this is from Elsie in the USA who says, what's the favourite song to be playing in the garage? So when when we, we've had various songs through various championship years, but I think the most significant thing here is that when we win a race, our small dedication to Dietrich Mateschitz is to play the Rolling Stones flat out. Brilliant. And so while we might be playing dance music just ahead of uh, a race or a qualifying session to fire up everyone in the garage, we know we're going to come in and listen to some Rolling Stones if we won the race. That's fabulous. I, I think that. we've listened to every song they've yeah, made yeah. now this year. <laughs> and we've got a pretty loud speaker as well. Yeah. Nice. Uh, this is from Liv in the Netherlands who says... Um, what do you think of the continuous growth of the race calendar? Because it is getting busier and busier now. And if you're all working extra jobs as well as doing pit crew stuff, it ends up manic for all of you, doesn't it? it? Well, race weekend itself is pretty flat out from the moment we get there to Sunday night. I mean, people don't see Sunday night after the race. We strip the whole car and pack everything away. Yeah. And then on a Sunday night, everyone's there on the phones trying to see the DHL times, aren't they? To see, what, see how quick we were in the race. That's what I mean. Everyone cares about but yes in terms of 24 races it's it's a lot of time away it's a lot of dedication you need a family who are um accepting of that shall we say yeah <laughs> <laughs> but as in, you, you can't do it for a long time unless you love it because you've got to dedicate so much time to it it's, it's it's just your life in it in ultimately yeah and i think i think you raise a really interesting point which is the tremendous dedication of the families and i think that's what people 
it's not immediately obvious to people because yeah it's a long time away from home it's a big commitment you know um you wave goodbye to small children mm. you you know uh and you're away for a long time and i think it just shows that you couldn't do that unless you were doing that with a team that was a fantastic place to be a part of yeah. and that's what we've with the with the incredible people that we've got here on the race team it's that vibe that we have wherever we go uh, and finally, this is from Andrea in Romania. I really like this question. Um, how do you make sure that you don't put the wrong tyres on a car? So <laughs> has there ever been a scenario, right, where you've accidentally done three mediums and a soft? <laughs> Not that. <laughs> no, there have been a few other scenarios that will haunt me to my grave. Come on, you've got uh, to tell me about them. Well, we, we've had uh, radio failures, so the car arrives in the pits and you didn't know that that was going to happen. We've had communication issues where the wrong set of tyres was, was brought out to the car and then taken back again. Now, obviously, we try to learn from all of those mistakes and they've been painful and we've put procedures and... Uh, people in place to try to and software and all sorts of things to try to get around it but it's your hair's breadth away look how many different tires you've yeah. got you know you've got however many sets kicking around the garage on race day something I'm always acutely aware of oh and a double stack like preparing for a double stack that's that's such a big moment where for me watching a race knowing that a team's going in for a double stack I think is so exciting to watch when I'm watching on the telly but for you must be possibly the most stressful moment it gets less stressful when the first car's left you know <laughs> of course if it's still... it depends on the gap as well and it depends yeah. on and it depends on the gap but for us once again that's a manifestation of team performance yeah you know and when we've done that we've done that a couple of times over the last few years um with confidence and you can see the confidence in the crew and it's almost like um it's that moment you've got to shine and people just rise to the occasion and that is a fantastic moment when you execute yeah. a double stop well with a small gap between cars. And yeah. that's uh, that's one of the, I think, if you're in the pit crew, that's one of the ultimate experiences. Yeah, that's one of those. Oh, yeah, nice. absolutely. Well done, yeah, you've got a bit of a swagger off. Yeah, that. I love that. Uh, right. So here on Talking Ball, we have a thing called the uh, HP Poly Challenge. So they are our partners with this podcast. And we have here the PolySync 20. Now, they are the leaders in video and voice. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to play you a clip that is 1.82 seconds long. See what we did there? It's the speed of a pit stop. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm going to play you a clip. I need you to tell me what that clip is in that short amount of time. Now, uh, I have had a listen, and I, I reckon you're going to do pretty well. But let's see how you get on. You can either play against each other as a team. What do you want to do? Oh, well, we work as a team all oh, day long, team, so course. why don't we do it as a team? Okay, here is clip number one. Any guesses of what that might be? Might be a national anthem. <laughs> the national. <laughs> might be the national anthem. Might have heard it a few times this year, maybe. Yes, of course, it's the national anthem for the Netherlands, which I always think sounds like um, "Oh Little Town of Bethlehem." It's the first song that comes okay. into my head every time I hear it. <laughs> yeah. The, I heard the Brazilian national now, anthem. Now that's what I'm <laughs> going to hear every time I hear it. As well, no, yeah. I've said it. You won't be able to unhear it. Yeah. Right, clip number two. That's the, that, F1 that's the F1 theme, theme it? music. Yeah. Is it? Give me more detail. Oh, it's the one that they play. When do they the play The champagne? It? During the champagne bit, is it? No. Would you like to hear it again? Yeah, go on. Go on. 
Oh, oh no, no, there's no, Mexican. That's, that's, your, that's, like <laughs> that's absolutely not what we thought. Yeah, no, absolutely not. It's is yeah, that it's a mariachi the, band. The mariachi it? version of the Formula oh, One thing, oh, which is so good. I've not heard that. Oh, in fairness, I've, that's we, the first time I've ever heard it. No way. I don't need to hear any more either. One point eight two is enough. It's so good. That version of the of the theme is so brilliant. Okay. Google it when you get the chance. Right. right. Clip number three. Drivers will have to adapt their driving style. Oh, Sebastian. So, yeah. Oh, well, that was easy then, wasn't it? Yeah, but I've heard him on the radio for about 10 years. So. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yes, well done. Well, uh, I'd say you got three out of three. I'm tempted to give you half a point because okay. you had a second listen on the... Yeah, we did. I'm one. sure you changed that one. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely yeah, sounded, definitely like sounded more mariachi the second time. I'm going to yeah. give you two and a half points yeah. out of three. That's what I'm going to say. Got three out of three. Well, it's been different for everybody. I would say, actually, out of all of the the Talking Ball episodes we've done, the best one was Hannah Schmidt's Anna Groom and Roseanne Elvin, who came in, and all three of them, within seconds, just got every single voice, and it was unbel- it was unbelievable. Like they didn't have to hear any clip a second time. It was. The most impressive thing I think I've ever seen. Mm. So they didn't have mariachis. No, they didn't. <laughs> I'm sure Hannah would have got it though because yeah, well. she's just. Like <laughs> but thank you so much for joining me. Go and enjoy Vegas and enjoy Abu Dhabi, and go and smash that record out of the park because I believe in you. Oh, thank you very thank much. You. But thank you for joining me. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>